It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Friday, December 16th. What a week it's been. Breaking news overnight. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried arrested in the Bahamas, set to face a judge this morning after U.S. prosecutors filed criminal charges in connection with the multi-billion dollar collapse of his crypto company. Sam Bankman-Fried is now in a correctional facility in the Bahamas after his request for bail was denied by a judge. We said in that episode just a few days ago that the last couple of weeks have felt like 30 years. This one week has felt like 100 Here to recap some of the major events, including, and most importantly, of course, what happened when Sam Bankman-Fried was arrested in the Bahamas, are my colleagues, Anna Herrera. Less than two months ago, SPF was hailed as the next JP Morgan, and you wouldn't think anything would go wrong. And Miss Relina Agolfo-Pulo. A part of the reason why he was denied bail was because people were scared that he would flee. Anna, Miss Relena, thank you for joining me on what has been a week of no sleep, for me at least, for me at least. Miss Relena, I want to start with you. Tell our folks who you are, what you're up to, and why you haven't been sleeping this week. Uh, my name is Miss Relena Agalfafulu. I am the team leader for the legal news team at Bloomberg. I have been covering crypto for a while now, and... This week, I have not been sleeping because it uh, appears to be the week where we essentially got perhaps one of, like, the most important arrests in, like, crypto history play out after experiencing the most dramatic collapse of one of the biggest crypto companies over the past month. So this week really sort of brought everything we've been seeing the past month, like, front and center. Phew. (laughs) I'm tired just listening to you say that. Sam Bankman-Fried went from appearing on stages at conferences, including the Bloomberg Crypto Summit, and, you know, being feted by various lawmakers in the U.S. and in the Bahamas, to being literally under arrest. Ms. Relena, how did we get here? I mean, the bankruptcy of FTX occurred exactly a month ago before this week. And I want to start by what we were experiencing last week, which I think is very indicative of how we got to where we are today. Last week, we saw several meetings play out in the Manhattan prosecutor's office Mm -hmm. where people from FTX bankruptcies teams, including the newly appointed CEO, lawyers for 
the company, as well as Manhattan prosecutors, were meeting. Inside the court, we didn't know why, but we knew they were meeting. Mm -hmm. Later, we found out around Friday that those meetings were really to discuss possible charges and look into what the possible charges they could bring against Sam Bankman-Fried for the collapse might be. We thought this was going to take a while to figure out. Like a while, like months, like Like years. Like years, years. I mean, really, the Monday's arrest and the following indictment on Tuesday was just brought in spectacular speed for the DOJ. I mean, I have some examples of how long it took to prosecute older cases. Let's talk about Enron, which happened back in 2001. It took two years for the prosecutors to build a case against its CEO. Mm -hmm. Even most recently, Archegos, Bill Huang, that took over a year to build a case against. So when you think about the fact that it took a month for these prosecutors to pull a case together against Sam Bankman-Fried and indict him on eight charges, Mm -hmm. I mean, that was out of nowhere. But, like, at the same time, the speed at which these happened kind of makes sense. If you think about the fact that saying Bankman-Fried is currently in another country that has an extradition treaty with the United States, the Bahamas, Mm -hmm. in order to get him to the United States, it's a complicated process. And the first step to that process is U.S. officials need to present an official indictment Mm -hmm. to Bahamian authorities. That is what gets the extradition process started, which could take up to years uh, to complete. And so really here, I think the speed was partially done so that they can start that process immediately, really just bring charges against him that were basic in their nature. Right. The the SDNY press conference that we saw happen this week was clear in that the investigation is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. So if we were to expect more charges against Bankman-Fried, that wouldn't be out of the question. And so really speed here was to get the extradition process started. We expect more charges to potentially come about later as prosecutors dig deeper. They really, truly were very clear about the fact that they are not done. I mean, there's two things that are playing out here. First of all, Damon Williams, who is essentially the new U.S. district attorney in New York City, has clearly said since he started that crypto is a priority for him Mm -hmm. and his office. And so, of course, it makes sense for them to basically jump in and capitalize on a case that's created so much online cry. Yeah. I mean, the fact that so many people were questioning how Sam Bankman-Fried was still free after this collapse Mm -hmm. and so many allegations that came against him really, I think, pushed prosecutors to speed up the process. So that online cry and sort of capitalizing on that sentiment, I mean... I think, helps the SDNY's message Mm -hmm. be louder. And I think they want that, right? Now, Anna, one of the things that we've both had to cover over the past month or so is Bankman-Fried's media tour. Is it the done thing for someone whose company has just, you know, filed for bankruptcy to be on a like a self-flagellation slash apology slash I don't have any recollection tour? No, absolutely not. It's not common. It is common for crypto to have very senior people just lead their own comms on Twitter, essentially. But it is not common for someone who's been accused of so many different things to go and say sorry, right? Yeah, 
Um, I mean, I'm deeply sorry about what happened. Part of it is if you say sorry, then someone could ask you, what are you saying sorry for if you mm -hmm. didn't do anything wrong, right? Like if you have to defend yourself, mm -hmm. then it doesn't, <laughs> saying sorry doesn't, doesn't really help. And, and when, with any kind of scandal that has a legal component, you don't really see the main person going on the TV and doing interviews right right straight after, like even before they, they even appear in any court, right? It was a sort of unusual tactic. And he admitted himself uh, at several points that his lawyers would have advised against it. So it was quite surprising. And then after a while, I guess it became a bit tired too, like, because he was just saying sorry many times. Whatever happened, whatever it happened, I had a duty. Clearly, I didn't do a good job of that. Clearly, I, I made a lot of mistakes or, or things I would give anything to be able to do over again. Um, I didn't and, ever... You know, uh, it's it was hard to see what the point was i don't know whether you know it was kind of to portray himself in a certain way like i obviously i don't want to speculate because who knows but it's definitely not not common for someone if you think of all the biggest financial scandals you know think of like libor recently you didn't see the people there or the ceos of the companies or even if a company a big bank gets you know a big fine for money laundering you don't have the ceo go and do an interview saying you know this is what we did. I'm really sorry. We we effed up. That, that was kind of surprising for sure. And just to not coin a phrase, but to quote one, I censored effed up was going to be the first line of the testimony that Bankman-Fried was due to deliver on Tuesday before he was arrested Monday night. But Ms. Relena, I want to go back to something that you said about like the speed of this and that it feels like it's happening in Internet time which is, you know, accelerated in ways that are probably bad for all of us. The whole thing about not just crypto, but the ascent of FTX has really felt incredibly fast, right? That they go from, here's a bunch of folks who left Jane Street and are taking interesting risks and doing stuff with, you know, Japan-based arbitrage to this dude is showing up on Capitol Hill trying to inform the future direction of massive markets to there's a bankruptcy to the rate at which that bankruptcy is filed has, you know, John J. Ray III, who Enron Connection was the liquidator for Enron, saying things like he's never seen something more disorganized in his entire life. Like there's something about this that just feels like we've speed run <laughs> through a crisis that would ordinarily take years. If this were playing out at a slightly slower pace or in a slightly more like normal fashion, what would have been the next things to happen, right? So we've now had all of these indictments. We've had all of these charges in record time. What would normally happen next? What prosecutors need right now is to get San Bakeman freed back into the United States. Mm -hmm. um, there's a hearing scheduled on his extradition in February. That is a priority. Ordinarily, that would take a very long time. Mm -hmm. There is an extradition treaty between the U.S. and the Bahamas, as I mentioned. But, you know... Anyone in that position has rights and they have the right to essentially reject extradition. And we have examples in the past of people who have been able to successfully fight for that right and have stayed in the Bahamas. Like this right. is something the U.S. has had to deal with before. In this case, though, you know, there's just several factors that are in play. I mean, one big factor is like SBF was denied bail. He's going to have to go to prison in the Bahamas. There are reports out that explain that the conditions in the Bahamas are not ideal. I mean, how long can SBF potentially, you know, put up with those conditions? And a part of the reason why he was denied bail was because people were scared that he would flee. 
if you were to be in the United States, you know, bail could come back on the table because maybe, you know, authorities and prosecutors in the U.S. wouldn't be as scared right. that he was going to flee the country as they are with him being in the Bahamas. Right. So I guess the question now is, you know, do the circumstances and conditions that surround Sam Bankman-Fried in the Bahamas discourage him from fighting extradition? And, you know, there's still a question here, I think, on the table on whether he will cooperate with the government and whether that's going to offer something for him. Because I think, you know, when you talk about the fact that so many charges could still possibly come, we're still very early in this uh, story. If he were to cooperate, is that even an option on the table for Mm -hmm. for authorities? And, And what would that mean? Like, we could see that play out. Now, to your point about cooperation, one of the things that folks have been speculating on is, you know, of the charges that he's facing, and we haven't specified what they were, but they're largely in the area of like fraud, misappropriation of customer funds, misrepresentation of like what it is that you are up to and why you wanted money and what you were going to do with that money. But if you were to kind of do some very like legal arithmetic and just like add up the maximum potential sentences for each of these, he, if found guilty on any or all of these, could be facing a significant amount of time in prison. Is it normal in cases of financial crime for people to actually go to jail? I would compare this more to like a Theranos kind of collapse. I think that's what we would be seeing here. I mean, the charges are not identical. Mm-hmm. They're similar. The effects are not identical, but they're similar. Lenders cheated out and customers cheated out. I mean, right. that is what we're talking about here. Elizabeth Holmes got sentenced to prison time last month. I mean, this is how I see this playing out for for same Bankman-Fried. If he's found guilty. If he's found guilty. And I think another thing about cooperation is also, you know, and these charges that were brought against him is, In all of the suits that we saw, whether it was from the DOJ, SEC, or CFTC, he was the only defendant mentioned in those suits. And we know that he definitely didn't run FTX alone. There are other individuals that are involved, including Caroline Ellison, Gary Wang, or the director of engineering. Nishad Singh. Nishad Singh, who are still... MIA. And mm-hmm. and we don't know whether this means that they're cooperating with the government on their end and what it means about how guilty or not guilty they will be found. These are all things that we are looking at moving forward. Right. And, you know, to your point, it's not clear if or when they will even be charged with anything, especially because of the rate at which this is unfolding. Right. It's not that folks have taken two years to build a case and say, these are the charges against a whole bunch of people. They've taken like a month and built a case against one person so far. Exactly. And I think that if you go through these suits, you'll realize that a lot of like, perhaps like the mislabeling of where money was going in the balance sheet within FTX wasn't just Sam Bankman fried mm-hmm. There were other individuals that were perpetrating that mislabeling. That hasn't been a reason for prosecutors so far right. to bring any charges against them. And so that, to me, raises a question of what's going on. Right. So to your point, the big thing that's going to continue to keep us awake for the foreseeable future is just that it seems like there's more to come here. A hundred percent. Reassuring. So, but, but please don't call me at like 6 a.m. <laughs> Again, Stacey Marie, because I, I, I had like a panic attack when I woke up and I saw three missed calls from you. I was like, oh, my God. This is what a true happened? thing that happened. Yeah. I, did, I did call Mr. Lena at 6 a.m. and be like, hey, news. <laughs> Such is the life of a crypto editor. 
We'll be right back with more of the week's top crypto stories featuring Anna Herrera, senior editor at Bloomberg, and Miss Relina Agolfapulo. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. We spent a lot of time talking about SBF and FTX, as we should, but there's been another pretty big crypto story this week. Can you just give us in, you know, like as non-technically as possible, what's been happening with Binance? So Binance has been facing massive amounts of withdrawals, essentially. So people are worried, or, you know, understandably, if you had money on FTX. And as you said before, you know, it like a, less than two months ago, SPF was hailed as the next JP Morgan and you wouldn't think anything would go wrong. Then in a week, you've lost all your money on the platform. Then you might start getting a bit wary about having money on any centralized crypto exchange. And Binance is now by far the biggest. It's like a, a gigantic compared to anyone else. And so, you know, people are getting worried and they're pulling out their money from from Binance. So the situation has stabilized a bit from earlier in the week. But that in a nutshell is what is going on. And obviously, I guess it's kind of like a vicious cycle. If people get worried, then they keep withdrawing more and then it, like, it keeps spreading. It's the next one to watch. And, you know, they've They've tried to reassure customers before that they had all the money and that they're, such, they're obviously not FTX and they have, if you want to withdraw your funds, your funds will be there. But, you know, they, they've fallen short of, I guess, what people would want, which is a full audit. They've not given that. And so people are still worried, basically. And it's one to watch because they're so big. It's one to watch because they're the biggest, right? Like they, they are by far the largest crypto exchange by pick a metric. And increasingly in with the decline of FTX, they're absorbing, in theory at least, even more customers who are looking for a new place to put their money. But as you say, you know, the folks at Binance, including the CEO, have tried repeatedly to reassure folks that 
anything that they might be hearing out there is, you know, to, to use crypto's favorite word, FUD, the unhelpful spreading of fear, uncertainty and doubt. Anna, just as a closing question for you, what exactly do you think the prospects are for crypto companies like Binance and others to really embrace audited financials? Not in the here's a quick snapshot in time of what's going on, but here's an actual audit of everything that's happening. I mean, you know, crypto hasn't been regulated as much as other sectors. So it's hard to do, have to do something that's tough as a firm if you're not forced to, right? Lots of companies prefer to, prefer to stay private for longer because being mm-hmm. a public company comes with, you know, disclosures that you don't really want to make. And so that, that obviously for crypto, you could argue that, you know, some would prefer not to get audited because that requires a different level of disclosure and you need to have your house in order and maybe you've not run your company as you should have in any, like it might not be anything massive. Like obviously now we have the FTX example, which is I, I would hope pretty extreme, But, you know, if you've not had any rules, then what rules were you going to follow other than, I guess, ethics? But if more institutions come in and more mainstream firms come in and even also now just regular customers, if you've been burned by FTX, you might want to say and tell you the exchange you're going to. Yes, I will put my money on your platform. Yes, I will trade there if you do an audit. And maybe they will be pushed by customers rather than regulation. But tends to be the case that regulators and, you know, not men with guns, but sort of uh, have more sway than just like, oh, I'm doing it because I love the world and I want to, you know, behave well, you know. And so it's just crypto. It's, I guess, the way the world is unless you have repercussions for doing things. Well, this has certainly been a week of consequences. Um, Ms. Relina, Anna, thank you both for joining me. Thank you. You can find more of Anna and Ms. Relina's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. And be sure to check out our twice-weekly newsletter, Bloomberg Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. Have a great weekend. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.